Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world right now, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. Now, if you're just tuning in to me for the first time, I definitely suggest that you check out our three previous episodes because we are now on a very gaudy number four, our fourth episode of Whose World Is This? But our first three episodes gives you some insight and some revelations as to what this show is about. Our first one was called The Genesis. Our second one was called New York State of Mind. And our third one was called Life's a Blank. So this episode, we are titling it, The World is Yours. And like I told you guys before, this format was going to have interesting topics as well as interesting guests. There were and are going to be interviews. Now, today is our inaugural interview with a friend of mine that I met, let's say, going on six years now. And I met him when I was staying in Waikiki, Hawaii. And I'm going to take a minute to speak to you guys about how important it is to take a moment to get outside of your comfort zones and meet people that are not from your background or maybe echo the same kind of belief systems that you may have because it will lead to a more well-rounded experience in your life. Today, I'd like to introduce you to a good friend of mine. I'm going to let him tell you who he is and what he's about. So, who do we have on the line today? Yo, what is up, everybody? Uh, first off, it's a pleasure to be here with you all, with you, June. Thank you for having me on. My name is Sam John, and I also go by PAC, P-A-K, for Perceive Advanced Knowledge. Uh, that's how I'm rocking. Uh, I'm 35 years old, and I currently live here in Honolulu, Hawaii. Awesome. Now, you know, we could easily get into one of our long-winded conversations as we do, but the people don't know you, so I have to start off and keep it formal so, so the people out there can know what you're about. Now, you say you live in Hawaii. Uh, are you originally from Hawaii? <clears throat> originally, no. I grew up mostly in California, um, but I've also lived in a few other places, uh, interesting places, uh, in Pakistan for actually three years. I'm from a Pakistani family. Um, I've lived in the Marshall Islands for a year in, in college. I was out there teaching some English. Uh, I was actually born and raised the first seven years of my life in Moscow, Idaho. Uh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's that's mostly it here and there. I've, I've traveled to a few little places um, here and there. Interesting. Okay, so now we're going to fast forward a bit. Here we have Pakistani descent who's lived yep. in Idaho yep. and California mm-hmm. and is now in Hawaii. Yeah, you got it. You know we're going to have to unpack that, no pun intended. Right. So, <laughs> how long have you been in Hawaii? I've been in Hawaii now 15 years. 15, 16 years. Wow. That's a long time. Considering yes. that's, that's almost half your life at this point. As a matter of fact, it's, it's actually, well, you're 35, so it's more than half your life practically at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, you know, so this is definitely uh, adopted home. 
This is where I feel um, grounded, centered, rooted, you know. So, yeah, this is, this is definitely had an influential uh, uh, part in shaping who I am today, most definitely. Very interesting. So what do you do out there? So out here right now, I'm actually a full-time artist, blessed to be uh, an MC, uh, writer, um, an intellectual. Uh, I've also got a um, nursing background. I have a degree in nursing, and I'm using that to actually do holistic coaching. Uh, and yeah, that that's pretty much what I'm doing, and just being a human, a human being is what I like to say. So let me get this straight. Yeah. You're an MC, hip hop. So I'm, I'm assuming if people don't know what an yeah. MC yeah. is, MC hip hop rapper. Okay, so you're an MC. You're a you're a you 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 perform in the hip hop genre as well as holistic nursing. Yes. This is a very very interesting <laughs> combination. I'm not entirely sure that people are accustomed to hearing about a rapper slash holistic nurse. So explain to me now the healing, the holistic healing nursing aspect. How does that work with your hip-hop aspect? Is there an alter ego situation here or, do, or does it mesh? I, I think it meshes for sure. I mean, there's uh, a, <clears throat> as an MC, as a hip hop artist, a writer, you know, I'm I'm informed by my experiences, by my uh, my conversations, you know, my my knowledge base. So, yeah, for me, there's there's definitely uh, an intersection there, and you know, yeah, just basically my lifestyle. So being a a holistic nurse, a holistic coach, um, holistic nurse coach, you know, uh, that has to do a big part of that has to do with walking your talk, mm. you know, so, re so really being, uh, aligned with your values, with your purpose. And for me, health has always been, um, at the forefront and integral part, uh, of my, my desires, my goals in life. That's very interesting. You know? So, yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah. so what I wanted to ask you is, um, as far as in the hip hop realm, how would you classify your music? If there is a classification, because unfortunately yeah. they're going to, you know, sometimes people like or audiences like to put things in particular boxes, even though an artist may not you know, uh, uh, relegate themselves to a particular box. But if you could describe your music to someone who's never heard of you, how would you describe it? I guess I would call it em empowerment rap. Mm. That, that feels, um, that feels, <clears throat> that feels right to me. Empowerment rap. That's mainly, that's, yeah, that's one of the focuses, one of the approaches I take when I'm writing, you know, or if I'm performing live, whatever I'm doing is I want to, uh, empower uh, others, you know, see. through empowering myself and just empowering, like, so whether that's, uh, dropping insight, you know, and, um, energy and doing that through 
uh, imagery and through a flow, you know, that is, uh, that is my intention with it. And that's how I felt. That's been my experience, my personal experience with hip hop and rap as an art form has been that. So I just want to carry on tradition, but also, uh, put in my contribution, you know, very interesting. So let me ask you, you know, from one hip hop dude to another. And this is actually yeah. an interesting question because as many conversations have you and I had, I've never asked you this before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's so many interesting questions, dude. You got you Well, got you know, yeah. You, <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the first hip hop song you ever heard? Oh, the first hip hop song I can, I can remember. Mm. Um, that was like pure hip hop rap. I believe it was Tupac. And okay. I believe it was. I think it was until the end of time. Until the end of time. How old were you when you heard that? Gosh, I think I was. 13, I want to say. 13. 13. Okay. Yeah, 13, 14. So your first. I guess we can call that your first hip hop experience was the Tupac record. Yes. Where were you living at this time? At that time, I was in Southern California. So you're in SoCal. You're yes. 13 years old. You hear Tupac. Was it a friend who gave you the? Did you hear it from a friend? Was it on the radio? Yeah, it was a friend. It was a friend that put me on. Uh, it was a friend I was re- I really looked up to at the time. I wanted mm. to be emulate this this cat. And he was like, yo, take this, listen to this. (laughs) Gotcha. So at that point, is there a difference between the first hip hop song you ever heard and the song that made you say, yo, I want to do this? Was it that song that inspired you to write or or to rap? Or was there another song that inspired you to, to write? I think that song, that vibe was a seed. Mm-hmm. I think that's, it was a seed that got planted. And uh, especially in my teenage years, those early, you know, those really um, integral kind of development years. Right. Yeah. You're very, you're very, uh, very open. It's like they're, they're very influential years. Um, there were other seeds that got planted as well. Hmm. Uh, and I guess you could call it my, my, my hip hop garden or what, you know, my, like my writer gar like all that, um, the artist, the artist garden. <laughs> and that was one of the seeds. There were a couple more seeds that were, that were, uh, instrumental, I think in shaping, uh, my approach and really, really just resonated with me. Like in a, in a very, very strong way. They like, felt. like, uh, who, for example. Uh, for example, that would be um, after Tupac. At the same time, I was kind of listening to Tupac. I was listening to Eminem. Gotcha. Uh, Marshall Mathers LP. Mm, and gotcha. So there was yeah, there was an energy within that. And then a few years later, from there, uh, KRS One was was a surprise guest at a uh, really big uh, hip hop underground hip hop independent hip hop fest- festival called Rock the Bells, and that just blew me away. That opened opened my the doors to a whole other kind of area and vibe of hip-hop uh from there with guru 
Talib Kweli and Mostef, uh, these sorts of these names. Yeah, I could go on. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, very interesting. So it, it's it's what I find interesting about that is is just um that whole uh, that experience that Tupac and Eminem and KRS One pretty much Hall of Famers in the hip hop goats. So you were introduced to this genre through three of some of the greatest MCs that have ever lived. So I want to know what you were listening to before you heard rap music. What was the dominant music in your life before then? So before then, uh, what I remember was, uh, this is actually um, when I was in Pakistan between seven and 10. And the, 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 the music, it was the music my uncle was listening to and what he would put me on to. And that would be Michael Jackson and this band uh, called Roxette. I don't know Ro- if you know, they're familiar with Roxette. them, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the Swedish rock band. I, those two bands, I remember, were, um, I remember those vividly. Yeah. So you're in Pakistan listening to Michael Jackson, the gloved one. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. so your uncle, who is who? Your father or your mother's brother? Yes, my father's brother. So your the, your father, your father's family, yeah. brother, is a huge Michael Jackson fan. Yeah, and he's Michael putting Jackson and Roxette, yeah. and Roxette, <laughs> and then he's coming around, and you're now you're listening to Michael Jackson and Roxette from about seven, from yeah. age seven <laughs> to about 10. Yeah, somewhere in there is where I got, yeah. Somewhere in there. And then a couple of years later, you leave Pakistan, you go to SoCal, Southern California, and you get introduced yeah. to Tupac. Yep, yeah, Tupac and Eminem. Interesting. So I I want to know, before we get any further, you know, uh, you know you, you, you're and born. And I should say, actually, at the same time, uh, there's that Limp Biscuit. So I was really into the rap rock movement, which uh, as I was coming gotcha. of age, that was the 2000s. So yeah, there was a, um, I was really into that as well. Interesting. So we have Limp Biscuit, Tupac, MJ, Eminem, and KRS-One, and the yeah. whole rap rock fusion going on. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That, was, mm. that was like my first, my, um, because when you're asking what were the the early influences, that was like one of the early. Those are the early, early influences. Ones. So yeah. when you were in, so you were born in Idaho. Yes. And yeah. you go to Pakistan at what age? About seven. About seven, seven years old. Do you yeah. and the language they speak in Pakistan, if I'm not mistaken, is Urdu. Am I right? Yeah, Urdu. Yeah. Ur- Urdu. So, did you speak Urdu? before you went to Pakistan? Uh, not so much. I, I know in our in our family, we understood it because our parents would speak to us, but I don't really recall speaking a lot of Urdu uh, in the States. And so you go there, you leave <laughs> Idaho, you go to Pakistan, you don't really speak the language. You go to school in Pakistan? Are you... You're enrolled in in primary school, or how did that work? Yep, yep. I was enrolled in primary school. Uh, in Pakistan, there's two types of school. <clears throat> there's the English English primary, okay, where it's mostly taught in English, and because um, 
under they had that understanding you know that english is the uh one of the dominant languages mm. um, so it was important to to be well versed in that and then there was also the urdu uh primary schools and my sister actually my younger sister a year and a half younger than i uh she was actually enrolled at an urdu primary school hmm. where um my grandfather taught he was the headmaster at that school and i went to a english primary school uh that's interesting why weren't yeah. you both of well, you well, in, in the same school well because it was um ah. uh, divided by gender gender so that's right school. Yeah, okay yeah, that was all boys school and she was at the oh. girls school okay that's very interesting man so it's, it's just i find that fascinating how you know you go from one I don't want to call them extremes, but from a cultural perspective, what were you thinking when you left Idaho and you get to Pakistan? What's the first thing that's going through your mind as a child, six, seven years old? Well, that, that age is a really, it's, it's a really magical age. So it was, there wasn't really much, uh, I think distress there, you know, what, what there was when initially, you know, kind of having to separate from mom and from dad, but very quickly we were, uh, we were showered with a lot of love and, 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 uh, enthusiasm and people were just so happy to see us, you know, so our extended family really, uh, oh man, they just, they, 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 they didn't feel like there was any lacking. That's very interesting. So you're saying extended family. Does that mean that mom and dad didn't accompany you and your sister to Pakistan? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was just me and my sister. Um, My parents were um, going through some changes here in the States. Yeah, so my dad was, uh, and there were some financial hardships happening. And at the same time, they figured, you know what? This is a good opportunity for, for us to to connect with our um, our heritage, our native culture, you know, with our with our family, to be able to spend time with them and develop those relationships. That's very you know? interesting. You know, what's interesting is because in uh, my background, I'm first generation American. Both of my parents are from the Caribbean. I've alluded to that in previous episodes, and yes. it's not uncommon for parents. Um, who are uh, immigrants to send their American children back to their native homeland for some years just so that child can be uh, well-rounded in the culture of their ancestry. And um, they may spend two, three, four years of primary. It's not uncommon for a mother to give birth to Uh, a child, a Caribbean child in the United States. And by the time that child turns about five or six years old, they're sent to live with grandma and grandpa and uncles and aunts that were left behind back in the native country of the parents and be there for about three, four, five years and then come back to the United States. So, you know, so that's interesting that you had an opportunity very early on in your life to um, experience that. Now, what I want to ask you is that experience, how did that in right now, as you are a grown man, an adult, how did that three years 
how do you feel it informed your life up until this point or impact you? Oh, I mean, just it, it expanded my worldview. That's that's for sure. To mm. to have that um, that awareness of yeah, like another another approach, another way of doing things. Mm. Right? Those those like cultural differences, and while you're doing that, you become acutely aware of the similarities, the sameness that we all share as humans. You Very know, right? interesting. So we, 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 we see all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, okay, there's a different way to, to be doing this. And sometimes it it, it seemed like, I, I prefer this way. I actually like this way. This way makes more sense to me. It, it, it's, it's um, maybe it seems this feels more efficient. Mm. It, it works a little bit better. I like the feeling afterwards, case in point. Uh, we, we don't really use toilet paper over there. Hmm. <laughs> so it's more okay. about you use, you use water <laughs> uh, to, <laughs> to, uh. <laughs> to clean yourself. And I like that feeling, that sensation of like with the water, it's like, yeah, I feel more clean. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's it, and, and then... You know, I guess to circle that back to like the sameness is like, yeah, we all we all got a white bar. <laughs> we all got a <laughs> <laughs> That may be a topic for another episode. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> we all got to do it. Yeah, it's just so, <laughs> so you know something things like that, and I think as as I as I grow and I keep going on in years, you know, I, I look back at those times and, and recognize, like, wow, yeah, that the the impact, the profound impact. And the positive impact that that had on me uh, to be able to see and, and to, to be able to empathize more. I think, you know, seeing that there is, you know, certain levels of, of poverty that people are living in different conditions, you know, mm. those sorts of things. It's, it's one thing to, to see images to hear stories, it's another thing completely to experience it, to to live in that environment. I agree. Those surroundings have those, yeah, those conversations, and so, um, yeah, yeah, it had it had a major impact on on who I am today, and I I would say for um, I'm I'm thankful for it. I'm actually I'm very grateful. Yeah, that, that's um, that's um, a uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, me visiting um, the Caribbean early on. I remember visiting as a child, as a, as a, I want to say a toddler, two, three, four years old, around three years old, and not going back for many, many years. And mm-hmm. one summer, you know, after you know school's over, dismissal, June summer vacation starts. I'm thinking about, you know. I didn't do too bad this year because I was not the greatest of elementary school students behavior wise. <laughs> so I found myself on the business end of a lot of sanctions and punishments in my home. But um, this was just one of those years where I didn't have too many punishable offenses. So I'm thinking I'm going to have a pretty good summer, you know, Disneyland, maybe six flags, you know. And then my mom goes, we're going to Haiti. And I'm like, What? Because at this, because at this particular time, 
Haiti's going through a lot of, uh, this is around for people out there who don't know, this is around the time of, uh, it's called the, the Duvalier regime. There's a, a political regime that was running Haiti, father and son, for many, many decades. And at this time, it, it came to a head. And um, what was occurring was a lot of unrest. And the news was showing us all of this unrest. And uh, the last thing I wanted to do was go to a place that had a whole lot of unrest. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Why are we going there? <laughs> You're looking at Six Flags. You had your sights set on Great adventure. <laughs> I did well. Why am I being punished? <laughs> <laughs> Are you not looking at the same news updates that I'm looking at? ABC News, 2020, Barbara Walters. They're all telling us, don't go there. And you're telling us, I'm going to spend my vacation. And I was about six, seven, maybe no, I want to say seven years old, eight years old. And it was still, till this day, with all the places I've traveled, it's still one of the most profound and exciting and my favorite trip of all time i went from new york city queens new york to riding horses and chasing pigs and chickens and just dealing with rolling blackouts and it was just i can relate with all that yeah you know dirt roads and this this familial energy and vibe and i just was like you know, and there's this saying that I mentioned in my uh, previous um, uh, uh, episodes where I said um, Aristotle, or it's at least this is attributed to Aristotle, where he says, um, if you give me the child until their seventh birthday, I will show you the man. And I am one of those people who truly believes that you have to spend the first seven, eight, nine years of a child's life exposing them to as much as possible. So you can normalize everything, just almost just expose their senses, their sight, their, 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 their hearing, their, their sense of smell, their eyes, everything. Because at that point, going to Haiti for I think I spent the summer there, came back and I was a different kid as far as how yeah. I saw the world. I was a different kid as far as what I believed the television to tell me as well. It had a profound effect on not only how I viewed people, but how I viewed what people told me about people. And so I, at that point, never took anyone's word for it as far as what people were concerned. I had to experience groups of people for myself because the Haiti that they showed me on television, albeit it wasn't a lie, but it wasn't the whole truth either. Yep, word up. So I saw another truth and I said, huh, Okay, so when I came back, my eyes were literally opened and I saw the world differently. So let me ask you, you're 13 years old, you're listening to Tupac, you know, sowing the seeds, Eminem sowing the seeds of this, this budding MC. What did your parents say when you started rapping or they found out you were rapping? So... Well, it's interesting, right? So that now that the context is, when we got back to the States, our parents had uh, had moved. So that was a big change. So for, we, we had left from Idaho to Pakistan. When we came back to the States, our parents had now transplanted us to California. 
and they had also uh, divorced. I see. And so um, <clears throat> that, and at that time, you know, being, being 10, 11, 12, new state, culture shock, uh, new schools, you know, like the, uh, we're going, starting to hit puberty now. Um, there were a lot of changes and it was a kind of, it was a tumultuous period. Uh, personally, Very interesting. Um, yeah, from like the family just having that that happen, and in in you know traditional Pakistani culture, divorce was not something that that really happens. Uh, so it was it was really hard. It was a really uh, bitter, uh, pretty nasty divorce, mm. and we were caught in the middle of it, my sister and I, and there was a lot of just lot of anger negative energy a lot of hostility and so music became more of a a, of an escape kind of an an outlet it was a it was a way to just and 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 not just escape i would say relate as well because there was an energy in um in these artists in their voice in their in their words you know it could be felt so that that kind of you know explains that that vibe of being really angry. That's where it's like Eminem, but also having this kind of uh, well, yeah, yeah. Tupac also had this, you know, kind of like yo, uh, the world. It's like what is going on? It's come, you know, like so. Yeah, that that energy reflected that. I'm sorry, I kind of lost the question. What was the question? Oh again? no, that no, that's fine. I was uh, speaking about um the um the reaction your parents had to right yeah yeah so i think with with so so this music that i was listening to like eminem tupac limp biscuit uh a bunch of other rock bands metallica papa roach i I think they were gosh it was they, they they never came out and said yeah, they wasn't like they were encouraging of it, but they also weren't restrictive of it. They weren't dismissive of it. So I think, and that was partly because, you know, already so much, <laughs> so they put us through kind of so much, and we're, we're <laughs> right. I think at that point they're just like, yo, we gotta let them have something like, <laughs> and maybe you know it's just a phase. They'll kind of grow out of it, this or that. So. um we had a kind of lot of freedom in in that sense. Uh, the pendulum kind of swung back the other way. So, so 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 there wasn't there wasn't that much issue until you know as I got older. First, it was just listening to music. But when I started rapping and you know really getting into music as like yo, this is something I would I would like to pursue and and continue continue forward with you know potentially as a uh, as a business as you know ways to to make a living um there was definitely pushback on that uh and i think a lot of a lot of a lot of kids from you know uh immigrant families you know here in the states can can relate to that where it's like yo you're you're (laughs) you know you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer, something that's gonna that's gonna absolutely allow for some stability, you know. And so uh, I actually resonate with quite a few artists that are, you know, of um, uh, equatorial 
uh, descent, you know, yeah. who have, who have oh, gone sure. into the arts, who have gone into uh, entertainment, um, and have faced a lot of kind of uh, <clears throat> resist, resistance to that, you know, so there definitely was just some, yo, okay, this is, this is fine as a hobby, this is fine for you to just do for fun, and you're enjoying yourself. You know, and it was actually, I think, kind of like, oh, it's it's cool, you know. But then when when the conversation changed to, yo, this, I think this is what I'm gonna do. I love to do this. This is gonna be my my main prerogative. This feels like my purpose. <laughs> then the, <laughs> the, the, the energy changed at that point. It became a little more, yeah. You, what's, <laughs> what's interesting about that? <laughs> What's uh what's what's interesting about that is yeah. my story runs parallel to yours to to the degree where um you know I was a, a hip hop kid uh cassettes in my pocket with all the songs and music if I was going to a relative's home over the weekend or whatever I would have a literally a book bag of cassettes to let yeah. all my older cousins, because I was the only one in my family that was a hardcore, diehard hip-hop dude. There were people mm. who listened and liked it and possibly loved it, but very few, if any, had what I would call sort of this uh, adherence to it. It was almost religious for me, where um, I was a strict adherent to the art form. Before that, I was listening to pop, rock, R&B, but whatever happened when I first started listening to Africa Bambata and after that, everything changed. Heard Melly Mel the message, everything changed, but it was all good. My mom encouraged me to listen to the music. She bought me cassettes to record my stuff. She um, bought me a boom box. But nice. right when I decided that I wanted to enter into the entertainment industry, it was like, whoa. And aren't you going to go into nursing or this or that? Get a certificate. My um, Immigrants, they come to this country and the risk was getting here. And the first thing you do when you get here is you have to find something stable that you can count on. Yeah. So yeah. most of my family yeah. are in the healthcare field because not only do they have to take care of themselves, but they have to send money back home to people that they have to take care of because the places that they're leaving, they're leaving impoverished family. Oftentimes there's not an infrastructure that can employ many, many people. So you end up being your, the money you send back home ends up being literally the lifeblood of an economy in another yeah, country. Yeah, that's so same experience so you know so i don't care if you're from the caribbean or calcutta the experience is very similar in that regard that the immigrant experience is is it's the getting here and coming to a place where you know very few people you're leaving your family your friends your 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 heritage everything that you're about and you come to a land and all you want to do is become stable and 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 uh get a check that you can depend on in a, in a profession that you can depend on. So when your kids start speaking about the arts, it immediately sounds like risk, instability, inconsistency, 
and it goes it goes contrary to everything that they've tried to build. And it's something that I had to learn because I didn't understand the pushback. I said, you're doing this. I want to do that. And, you know, my mom wasn't discouraging, but let's just say she wasn't encouraging. Right, yeah. And it's not as if they know people in the arts where they can say something along the lines of, well, I don't know anything about that, but, you know, go speak to your uncle or a friend of the family. Everybody that's in the family is, you know, trying to get in a stable field. And, you know, not everybody was as understanding as my mom when I would mention, you know, you know, hip hop music. And they're like, hip hop, hip hop. Oh, no, 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 no. Beep, 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 music. No, no, that's not music. And then I have to deal with that pushback that it's not even music. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm playing the piano or something or I'm a violinist. You know, now you got to deal with the fact that you have a whole group of people that don't even honor it as an art form to begin with. So I, I, I can relate, uh, 100% to the pushback, um, which is very interesting that, um, your family, it was all good when it's a hobby. And when you start speaking about it as a profession, then, um, so let me ask you, let me, let me, what was the, um, what was the first show that you did? When did you realize you were good enough to perform on a stage in front of people or, you know, that you just decided to jump on stage one day at an open mic? How did that come about? Well, um, so yeah, so growing up, I had some experiences of being on stage, you know, when I was in Pakistan, actually, I was at that all boys school. So that's a, that's an interesting story. Um, we put on like a, a kind of musical, a dance recital, uh, song and dance. And we still, we had to have, there, there was, there was a boy parts and girl parts. So, uh, I was, I don't know if I was selected or if we had, if, if, if it was voluntary, but however it came about, I was like, I'm going to be a girl. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. I got, yeah, so I got to dress up and, um, do the dance. And I think I remember that was my first time really being on stage in front of a lot of people and just feeling really good about it just feeling like yo this is fun i'm feeling like really charged up um so that would be like my first experience really on a stage and from there as i got more into music it started with freestyling uh in the car with the homies just just having fun on these beats and then a few years after that i had started writing and uh, producing my own music and then finally the time had come where it was like, and I, I did some talent shows before, like recitals with like piano and things like that. I've, I've been in choir up to, you know, up to this point. So I had been on stages singing mm. with the choir uh, in my school, you know, so I guess it, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge leap, but it was, you know, it was like, oh, this is my own material. This is stuff that I've produced and, and done, you know, but we were having so much fun with it. Uh, this was when I was in college, and so my first, my first show, I think would be it was actually a house party, and it was hosted. It was at my house, at my mom's house in uh, Loma Linda, California, and uh, it was a bunch of our uh, our college friends. You know, we had like a good, uh, we had a pretty decent crowd, at least like 15, 20 people uh, in the house, and we had set up uh, the turntables. We had the speakers. Uh, this is back when I was playing with. Uh, some friends of mine who do, I've always actually been, been a fan of live music. So I had some of my buddies who were live musicians 
So we had a couple guitars in there, some some real heavy rock, electric vibes, and it just went off. The show was I, I you know, I was nervous, not sure how it was gonna how it was gonna be received and go over, and the response was tremendous. Our, <laughs> the whole, wow. The whole party was on their feet, and this was very just a very intimate. Like there wasn't a stage. There was just it was a. Well, we we had we had these two rooms. There was the carpet, the living room, and that was kind of like the for the uh, for the audience. And then we were on this uh, kind of smooth surface, marble kind of thing. And they had come right up to right up to the to the to the stage, so to speak, and hands up and just going in. And <laughs> they were just there. and and there were some people there who who didn't know what my music, what our music was about. Like, so it, it wasn't like everyone had, had heard this before, everyone had touched in with it. You know, there was there was people there who were just, I don't, I don't know what's, what's about to happen. And to have those people especially just instantly just recognize and resonate with the vibes and just be on their feet throwing it up and and for the whole show just going in and dan- and when the dance party broke out oh my goodness wow yo when when the girls started like moving and got the guys you know up into it and go it was like okay this is yeah that's when that you knew the, the affirmation yeah that was right there like that moment yo, that's a magic I moment. Yep, yep. That's yeah, definitely. I will always remember that. That was in 2005. That's 05. That's a magic yeah. moment. Wow. Yep. <clears throat> vivid, vivid memory forever. Forever moment. Yeah. That's, that's, that's wow. Man, I can't. Oh, yeah, it's funny. So 05. Talking about it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> dude, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's one of those experiences that you can't, um, it's in a bottle at this moment in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah, shout, shout out to those who were there. They, they, yeah, for real. They know who they are. And it's for like, real. Oh, man, uh, so, because that moment, you're not going to get it back. It's that first time, you know, and it, when, yeah, you most know. Definitely, most definitely. It's very special. But I, there have been a lot of special moments since then mm. as well. It's, it's been, uh, uh, I mean, every time I step on a stage, I step to a mic, or, you know, even just like, I said just out and about, you know, someone kind of, we had the cypher going uh, outside the parking lot, something like that, you know, just to step into that uh, and just feel people and connect and just resonate with them, you know, just to have always one person, there's always at least one person who's coming up to me and going, yo, I felt you, like that was you know, right? Like we were like ah on that, like what you were saying, how you were saying it, what you were coming with, like your vibe and your energy is just. I feel that, and when I feel that coming up from someone, I'm like yo, you feel me? That I feel you. That's dope. You're feeling me, so yeah, that's that's been that's been an effect. That's just been going off for. Uh, I think yeah, just ever since then, and probably before then too, just kind of coming into a place. Yo, <laughs> here I am. That's here you dope. Are. So, so here we here are we now. Are. So, here we are now. So here we are now. It's we're in 2021. There are a couple of questions I'm gonna ask you before we round up part one of our. Because I have a feeling we're gonna break this down into maybe 
another segment. But this particular <laughs> segment, we're going to get into. So yeah, strong. yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a lot to unpack. Pardon the pun again. Yeah. But, you know, but this unpack I really wanted. The, I wanted the yeah. audience and the viewers and the listeners to get an idea of your origins. And um, now here we are with all that's occurred from 20, from a 13 year old boy first a teenager turning into a man that's sort of on the on the cusp of manhood you're listening to a lot of grown man material i mean tupac is grown-up material eminem you know was speaking about a lot of his childhood traumas and on the marshall mathers lp as well as the slim shady lp and and so now we're, we're in 2021 uh what projects do you have on the way for this year and what can we come to expect from pack this year yeah well what's really exciting is i recently just had some major breakthroughs um in the last year actually in 2020 uh <laughs> yeah it was it was a transformative uh year to say the least and so from that uh, I have just been writing. It, it feels like the, the floodgates are, are open and things are just flowing really, really smoothly and, and with a lot of volume. And so um, some projects have, have, have come about as a result of this, and it's really exciting. Yeah, the first project is a 10-track disc, about 30 minutes, and I, I'm kind of calling it this like the... the signals this new era uh, of pack and that album is titled resistance protocols mm. okay so we have yeah. 10 10 tracks 30 minutes resistance protocols in 2021 yep. and so you're that saying you're saying that this project right now is pretty much what we would call where you are right now in your life is that what you're telling me very close to it because that's the thing is like i i move just i move very quickly too mm. i move with a lot of speed but this this feels it also captures very authentic voice and and um feeling to me and uh yeah just being just being very true Got to, it. to self and to kind of you know and and i always i I aim to write with, with this universal um, approach so that it's like, yo, this can be timeless. Because I feel like that's what a lot of like the really, really, that's that's a strong tenement of of, of very powerful poetry. Yeah. Is that, is that, that universal aspect. So writing this, yeah, it's, it was, it's very, it had to be, it had to be the truth had to had to be like tapped into that so hmm. yeah this is something that is very close to it right now but I'm, i like i said i'm i'm just lately things have just it's, it's like going from saiyan to super saiyan then you dragon ball uh, <laughs> dragon ball fans in here and it's just like yo That's when funny. that super saiyan happens it's just explosive so i've written resistance protocols uh, and there's a follow-up to that that's already recorded. Uh, okay. It's just, we're just in the mixing 
uh, going to start the mixing soon, and that one is called Avenger Protocols, and it, it kind of ties in with Resistance Protocols. Um, and then there's a third album that I am currently recording. It's about 70% recorded. Uh, and I, I'm playing around with some titles right now. We'll, we'll see what um, we'll eventually land on, uh, what it becomes. Uh, but that one's kind of delving more into the, uh, the idea and the, the understanding of capitalism as a system. Very interesting. And, hmm. Yeah. And so that's that third album. And, and now I just actually, I've had this intention for a while, and now it's actually manifesting. I've got a group project. So I brought a couple of MCs together to join forces uh with pack and um we've got a group project that we're working on and that's very exciting that's just started uh but it's already bearing fruit <laughs> and very tasty stuff very dope say. so let me ask and, you now yeah. before before we continue uh I'm on a writing spree yeah <laughs> and and that's what i'm noticing what, what you're telling me is uh what you're telling us is that resistance yeah. protocol is part of a new is part of a new era that you're entering into. So where yes. can we is resistance protocol going to be available to or where can the public that is, that's interested in you? Where can they find this project soon or when do you think you'll release it to the masses? Uh, so as far as like when the release is going to happen. Uh, that is, it's, it's going to be this year for sure. I'm still trying to working on narrowing down, um, the exact date just because, um, I'm an independent artist. So, uh, and I have a small team that I work with. And so it takes a little more time to kind of get some of these things together. And, of course. and sometimes there's these moving parts. So, uh, but I am, I am aiming to get it out. I'd like to get it out kind of maybe mid year. If not, you know, it's like the, the start of fall. So I'm thinking somewhere May, June or September. Okay. Uh, okay. Awesome. So definitely. Yeah. So we're definitely pulling or we're, we're pushing for a, uh, a mid to, to, to summer to fall release. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's what we're looking at. And then actually Avenger protocols. I'm hoping to, to be able to get that out towards the end of the year maybe in uh, like December. December. So we'll get two, two albums this year. Got it. And the place to access all this is, is for me, I'm just, I love to keep it simple. Um, my website, packraps.com, P-A-K-R-A-P-S, packraps.com. And on the website, there is a sign-up form for my, my mailing list. And that is primarily from where I am releasing music going to be releasing music okay forward. can you uh, uh i also have a youtube channel uh so before you continue go yeah. uh can you repeat the email address again one more time oh the web the website address? i'm sorry the uh, i'm sorry yes the website again yeah yeah the website uh is packraps.com packraps.com p-a-k-r-a-p-s dot com got it yeah and the YouTube channel? The YouTube channel, I, it's, it doesn't have its own link yet. Okay. I still have all these weird, all the numbers and letters <laughs> randomly thrown together. But from my website, there's a, it links to that. So the website is the, the one-stop, go-to spot, the hub, 
understood. Understood. So that's the place to go. And signing up on that mailing list, I I send it only when it's relevant. You know, when there's when there's something coming, like uh, a project coming or a show. So it's 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 very, um, what do you call it? very non-spam. <laughs> yeah, very non-spam. Yeah, I've had to uh, I've had to uh, update email preferences on a couple of newsletters that think that every eight hours. Um, is actually appropriate, you know. I'm like, dude, yeah. I did. I barely yeah. read the last one. Why are you sending me a new one? Yeah, I'm very, very sensitive and respectful to 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 my peoples, you know, to just like understanding that's like, for you know, sure, we've got this information overload. I I really, but but it is for me a way to stay directly connected to the audience. So, Absolutely, exactly. You know, and, and to be able to cut through all of the um all of the BS and kind of the, the, gotcha. rat tape, the corporate kind of, uh, for sure. Sometimes are set up, you know, so, uh, that is, that's, I'm trying to do that to the best of my ability. And, and this is the way I found the approach that, uh, works the best works so the far. Best, yeah. Well, Excellent. you know, yep. just for the people in the nosebleed seats that didn't hear, uh, the, uh, website that is P as in Paul, a K R A p is in paul s.com that is yep. packraps.com any information yeah. that you want to know about uh his projects his music if merchandise is coming along the lines later on events oh, yeah. show details things of that nature this is where you can find pack pack we're yep. going to do a, this is a great way to uh segue or to cut this particular part one off because we're speaking about direct to consumer, which is what music uh, uh, is fast becoming. You know, you know, your email at your website, you having uh, people subscribe to your website newsletter, you sending music to them directly, direct correspondence to your consumer is something that we're going to speak about in uh, the part two of this segment, which I like to title. Nothing in the world is more expensive than free. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the most expensive word in the English language yeah. is free. I had, to, I had to think about that one for, for a few days. And then, After yep, we spoke on it, it yeah. Hit, it hit, yep. It yep, hit, yep. yeah. It's one think of those things. It. So <laughs> we're going to be speaking. <laughs> so I'm hoping everyone out there enjoyed it. We have a nice chunk of information. It's almost an hour worth of information you have on PAC. This man is an amazing artist, an amazing human being. He's touched lives. He is as positive a person that you are going to meet and you're going to feel that in his music. I can speak to that personally. I personally vouch for him. And so I'm hoping that you guys check him out and support his music. So, Pack, definitely we will talk on the other side. And um, to everyone out there who was listening today, thank you and meet you you back. Peace. Yeah, big ups. Peace, love. Yo.